Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Rechte Neckfahne mit dem linken Fuß. Bringt den Ball auf den zweiten Pfosten. Tische! Tor! 1 zu 0 für den VfL Bochum. Da draußen ist der Ball frei. Und jetzt ist er drin. Jetzt ist er drin. Und hier ist Botzen, macht das Tor. Trist ist wieder da. Größer ist da. Für Rausch. Der setzt an zur Flanke. Da kommt der Ball. Tor, 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 Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, and welcome to the Zweite Bundesliga podcast with me, Johnny Walsh. Today we have not one guest but two. We are joined, as per usual, by the wonderful Matthew Karagic. Matthew, how are you? Very good. Pleasure to be on once again. And we also have Danny the Foot fan. Danny, it wasn't a great night last night. Uh, we'll come on to that a little bit later. But um, how are you otherwise? I'm very pleased to be here, but I'm not that enjoyed by last night. So. That is very much understandable. I think we can all uh, sympathize with you there. Um, let's get straight into it. It's a busy, busy program today. Once again, we're going to talk about... Um, Köln, to start off with, we're talking about Torada and Cordoba, the battle to see who leads the line for the Billy Goats. Um, we're going to talk DFB Pokal. Um, Danny uh, will try and glance over one game in particular. Uh, the Match Day 3 preview will also have that and uh, we'll tell you about anything interesting coming up in the weeks ahead as well as answering your questions. So let's not waste any time. Let's get straight into it. Um, we're talking strikers, we're talking about Köln, and uh, there has been a lot of debate over several positions in this Köln side, uh, but no one uh, in that sense has really grabbed the attention of most fans as the battle for that starting striker spot. So we asked you on Twitter, who gets the nod? Is it Simon Terada, who scored four goals against BFC Dynamo this weekend, or should John Cordoba continue to lead the line? 147 of you voted, so thank you very much for getting involved. 81% of you, so an overwhelming majority, went for Simon Terada, and I don't think that's just my influence behind that. Uh, Matthew, you can start us off here. Um, is it time for uh, one of the greatest Vita Bundesliga strikers of all time to uh, to lead the line? Yeah, it's very much Terada time for me, and um, you know he showcased. You know, maybe against lesser competition in, in, in BFC Dynamo. But, um, yeah, I think it's time. Proven goal scorer in the league. And, um, you know, if we're going to see the best of Köln, I think it's uh, important that Toroto is leading the line for them. Danny, would you echo that? Of course. Um, I don't th even think that Cordoba is bad or so, but I think he's got no luck on his side. And Köln um, know what Terodde can do. They knew in the Bundesliga and this, they knew in the Zweite Liga where he scored with every club, I think, a few goals. So I think it's time to rest Cordova and give Terodde the chance to score goals because if you line up Terodde in Zweite Bundesliga, he will score goals. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. The guy, no matter how he plays or where he plays, he always seems to find the back of the net when it matters most. Um, he didn't do much when he came on against Union, I might add, but um, I think if he does start, uh, you know what you're going to get with him. You know how to play to his strengths, and um, that's one of the key things that uh, comes with it. Um, we've had a couple of comments this week about that. Uh, Dave uh, at DJC Parker 
87 says uh, they should both play then get sent off so they don't have to terrorize our defense the week after Dave is a St. Pauli fan and uh, understandably so that he wants uh, both unavailable for that fixture uh, Borksum at Buxum says uh, that is very easy when did John Cordoba last score four goals for Eftse and um, We've also had uh, a comment from at hello yet on Twitter. He says, I don't think Toronto was that impressive. He scored against a team that struggles to stay in the Regional Liga, and two of those goals were offside, which is a very fair point, uh, which could be a problem in the side of Bundesliga because he won't get that many chances against better assistant referees. Then again, he says, uh, Cordoba hasn't shown much that would make him a fixed starter. More importantly, he says, let Cozzello start with Schaub. Danny... Um, Obviously, we're talking about strikers here, but do you think Köln's problem lies with Torada and Cordoba and which one gets the the nod up front, or do you think it's more a problem with the midfield? Um, I don't think it's really a striking problem in this way because I do think that uh, also Cordoba has, an, has a great quality, and I've once seen him in the stadium when he played with Mainz in third in the cup, and he scored there, so he's a good one. And I think the problem could really be more in midfield, that uh, the people know the quality Köln has, and so they keep defending against him, keep standing in the back of the field. So what they could need is that Cosiello, who has a great abilities, and he's really one of the players that are definitely far too good for this league, I think, and... Schaub also has a good quality, and when they two give, um, when the two are lined up and get them creativity up front, that would be some really good uh, addition to Köln, I think. And maybe Anfang depends on who works better with Schaub and Cosiello in training, in in front in, at striker. So that could be a decision, but I do think that. Uh, lining up Cosiello would solve a bit of a problem for them. I personally think they've really struggled to move the ball quickly through midfield. Matthew, would you say that's maybe down to playing Jonas Hector as the, the only defensive midfielder in the side and uh, maybe not returning him to his native left back? Of course, Marco Huger did make his return from injury um, against BFC Dynamo uh, this weekend, and uh, I think Köln fans will hope that uh, he can maybe be fit enough to take a starting spot and allow Hector to return to left-back. Yeah, he he needs to stay where he plays in the national team, which is left-back, and um, you know I can understand the outcries of Köln fans who really don't understand why he plays in that defensive midfield role when, you know, when he plays his best football at left-back. It's a bit of everything. They've got like an abundance of talent in midfield. I think uh, Anfang just hasn't found the right balance. Um, obviously, he's going to favour Dominic Drexler, uh, hands down. You know, having you know very good success with him throughout. Um, so I think I think he I think the first few match days and, and continuing on, he's probably going to mix and match a little bit to to find the right balance and and then going forward, you know creating good chances and, and, and finding the back of the net. I would uh, I would agree with you there. I think um, once Köln do find a way to, to break down these deep defences, um, they'll certainly have a, have a lot more of an enjoyable time inside the Bundesliga, that's for sure. I think Torada offers them more of that focal point to build attacks from, you know, hold up the ball, lay it off a little bit better than Cordoba. 
Uh, Cordoba maybe offers a little bit more pace, a little bit more strength when he is running with the ball. Not that Torada isn't strong. I think uh, Torada is just naturally that little bit quicker, a little bit fitter. But, um, of course, that comes with age as well. But uh, I don't think you can teach um, Torada's goal-scoring exploits in this division. Um, Danny, do you think um, Köln are still the side to beat this year? Yes, of course. Um, I mean, look at the game versus Union Berlin. It was a good game, of course, for the Zweite Bundesliga. And uh, I think they could have uh, with a bit more tactical uh, changes they could have uh, played more chances and I think Anfang is a good uh, trainer so he will make a few changes and he will see what they need to change and um, if they can manage this and I think they will they are indeed the side to beat this year because that is a crazy quality they have in their squad so um, I don't think they get too crazy in not winning both of their games, but they get uh, they have to keep patient for their team to play up to to get to know each other in the games, and then I think their quality will shine through and they will still be a dominant side this year. Talking about quality, there was plenty on show this weekend in the day of Pokal. We will come on to that and uh, review uh, how the Zweite Bundesliga sides got on in just a moment. But first, we did ask you for your goal of the week. Matthew and I put this one together. Um, that was after asking you which was your favourite Simon Terada goal this weekend. Um, 33% of you. So, uh uh, split down the middle uh, in terms of which one was your favourite. Um, 33% went for his second goal and 33% went for his third goal. I thought they were all equally good and all equally worthy of uh, being goal of the week, but uh, unfortunately you all decided otherwise. Um, in terms of our actual goal of the week poll, um, Aurel Mangala ran out with that one. Um, ha is foul picking up a 3-5 win over... Uh, Twas Edna Book, um, a good win for them, and uh, one which uh, they will be more than happy to have uh, navigated after giving up that two-goal lead, and then after Edna Book pulled it back to uh, three-four. Matthew, um, we both wouldn't have went for that one. I think it's fair to say um, we were both big fans of Alexander Bulling's second goal. Yeah, it was a peach. Good technique, and and considering the time of the game, you know he just equal got them the equaliser um, and yeah just a perfect goal and, and I think we'll talk about him later no doubt he's um, certainly in sparkling form and he's hit the ground running under Tim Belter. And from our DFB Pokal goal of the week we move on to our DFB Pokal review. Um, it was a very very mixed weekend in terms of how the Zweite Bundesliga sides got on. Ten went through eight went out so uh Almost half of our representatives are gone already, which is slightly disappointing, but uh, I suppose uh, it is nice that uh, Haasfau and Köln are both through our, well, probably our best hopes of uh, achieving anything this year when it comes to um, an unlikely run to Berlin. Um, Danny, 
I think uh, the best place to start is uh, in Magdeburg. Uh, Darmstadt came out 1-0 winners to base Kempa's early, early penalty proved the difference in the end, but uh, unfortunately it wasn't on the pitch that we were talking about. Well, uh, Magdeburg will say otherwise. Uh, they had a few debatable decisions go against them, but uh, all the main problems and the main issues and the main fallout has come off of it. Yeah, of course. Um, I think what you mean is that the Darmstadt fans were really, really bad uh, treated by the police on this day. And which, what I think is a really shame because uh, yeah, you can read the statement on Facebook and Twitter and so but what happened there is a real shame for the DFP Pokal and the the enjoyment of the football of a football evening like that because yeah I know don't know what you know about that but they uh, the fans uh, also in against uh, at the game against the Pauli really mentioned that the police made them really walk a long way and have pushed them and insulted them and that's not a good way to treat your guests I think yeah um Darmstadt also released a statement on this after Van Hilfe Darmstadt um, or Lillian Van Hilfe if I could get the name right um, released a statement on this initially uh, I've translated that into English so it's accessible for everyone um, that is uh, on Twitter so you can have a read of that if you want uh, Darmstadt also put out a statement uh, on their website condemning the actions of the police. Nine people were injured. Uh, One Darmstadt fan was hospitalised. Seven others went to hospital afterwards. Uh, Two police officers were also injured. Um, But uh, as far as Darmstadt are concerned, uh, there was no blame to be put on their fans. And uh, they credited them for um, their behaviour at times uh, when it could have got an awful lot worse or the provocation as they seen it um, could have led to um, more physical confrontation uh, the police uh, have said otherwise and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how that situation develops over the coming days and weeks um, but in terms of football there was one big surprise on Friday evening and that was that SV Wiesbaden came out 3-2 winners after extra time against St. Pauli. Matthew, um, after St. Pauli's great start to the league season, I don't think anyone was expecting that. No, not at all. And, um, yeah, it's, it's the cup for you. And, um, you know, there's, there's always going to be upsets. And, and yeah, I don't think many would have had Vespardin taking St. Pauli out of the cup. And, you know, they... Certainly, on in extra time, they they took the game to to Saint Pauli, and um, you know, they they were worthy of their progression into the next round. It was a crazy final couple of minutes in that one, and uh, plenty of chances went missing for um, Saint Pauli's new signing, Hank Veerman. Um Matthew, what did you make of his performance? Do you think he's uh, one that's uh, worth giving a little bit of time and that was maybe first game nerves a bit a little bit rusty or um are those chances that uh, Samuel Agui would have put away I, <laughs> well, I don't know about that because um, tough question yeah. I know <laughs> well those two opportunities he had were were glorious and yeah he's got to take them like they they were you know he's one on one with the keeper 
he has so much a goal to aim for, and he's found a way to pick the keeper out on both occasions. So, yeah, you could call it to Russ, but you, you'd be, I think he would be disappointed in himself that he doesn't take those chances. And, you know, ultimately, he takes those, he scores those those two from those two chances, and and Saint Pauli go through. That's that's the simple the fact of the matter. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure that Alagri would have taken those chances either. But um, yeah, Saint Pauli fans will hope that next time um, in the league when those chances arise, he'll take them. And from. Friday night's action we move on to Saturday and it didn't begin much better for those vital Bundesliga sides that were involved. Um, MSV Duisburg did pick up their first competitive win of the season. They beat uh, Dassendorf in Hamburg. A 1-0 win for them. Uh, Boris Tashi getting off the mark as well. Uh, so positive all around for them. But uh, in terms of Saturday afternoon, um, of course we had Ulm beat um, Eintracht Frankfurt which uh, was undoubtedly the story of the day, but um, there was also an upset for the side of Bundesliga side, and uh, Dynamo Dresden were the side to fall foul to that. Maximilian Hippe, in the 123rd minute, won the game for SV Uredinghausen. They were, of course, playing in Lotta. Um, Danny, the pressure's really starting to ramp up on Uwe Neuhaus now. Yeah, of course, um, and I think it was a crazy situation there. Uh, you've seen the game really being not enjoyable to watch in the last minutes and then uh, this situation where they really defended so poorly in 123 against a fourth league side and of course the first league games and I think the pressure on Neuhaus will really grow over the next few weeks if they don't get to get a few results now and that will be really... uh, interesting to watch and I think how they got out of the cup there was really crazy because they've led twice and giving away a lead twice to fourth league side and then losing it in 123 is really where you have to ask questions to the coach of course it um it wasn't a day to remember for them and uh yeah obviously they picked up a win uh on their first game of the season then they fell foul to um, Armenia Bielefeld. They've also got beat by SV Rödinghausen. So whether or not uh, that Ostwestfalen area is uh, tricky for them, um, I'm not quite sure. But um, they'll have to bounce back in the league this weekend. They are at home to Heidenheim, but we will come on to that a little bit later. Um, a couple more Zweite Bundesliga sides in action on Saturday. Uh, the rest of those were in the evening. Uh, it's a big hour, 3-1 loss to Mainz. Um, Aua did have a, a, well, a man advantage for 87 minutes of this game, but um, Matthew, it turned into the Alexandru Maxim show. Oh, he was brilliant, and, uh, you know, he, he just took the game by the scruff of the neck, and, um, yeah, magnificent performance, and, you know, for Aua, that's just so disappointing when you have a numerical advantage and you just you just don't take it um yeah that, that was pretty ordinary it has to be said and and um you know credit to Mites and in particular Maxime they they brought the right attitude especially going down to 10 men so early and yeah questions certainly need to be raised now because that's they were they were very very poor 
Yeah, it was um, great for them though that uh, Paco Testort got off the mark, um, but that only proved to be a consolation at the end. Unfortunately for them, um, from our we head to um, Oberhausen, uh, Sandhausen were much, much, much more convincing in their win against uh, Old Weiss. Oberhausen, a 6-0 victory for them, just what the doctor ordered. Um, Danny, great for them to get a confidence-boosting victory after... Um, two heavy defeats to start the league campaign. Yes, uh, surely. And it was a great game by them. Um, you could have thought that Oberhausen is not the worst uh, regional league side you can find and winning so comfortably over them. And with, with your strikers scoring good goals, I think that could really boost them for their now oncoming game against... Uh, who are they playing... Uh, my beloved Bochum. <laughs> yeah, so that will be, uh, I think, a boost. So that will be interesting to see what uh, influence this has in the weekend. Yeah, um, it was uh, pretty poor timing given the results uh, at the weekend uh, with uh, how my loyalties lie. But uh, nevertheless, really good to see Sandhausen get off the mark. Um, Felix Muller. Uh, grabbed a brace in that one. Uh, Tim Kister, Philip Furster, uh, Fabian Sleusner got off the mark as well for the season, so that's good news. And Marcus Carl also on the score sheet there. But uh, the big game, as far as Zweite uh, Bundesliga sides were concerned, uh, saw Hamburg head to Ednebrook. Um, they managed to pick up a 5-3 win, we've already said that, but uh, Matthew, they made it anything but easy on themselves. They they certainly weren't convincing defensively, and um, yeah, geez, they. Uh, I think the less said about it, the better. They they uh, they gave up some really ordinary goals, and and um, you know credit to you know to to their opposition, and and they, they pressed them well. I think the key uh, move that Teets made was bring on Lasaga, and and he, you know, had an immediate impact. He scored two goals in I think the space of three minutes or, or something, and. I think that's that's a good thing to see. They sort of up scored as well, um, you know, when he started in in the game, and that's key. I think I think that's that's more enough uh, incentive to start a traditional number nine. We've spoken about it on the podcast, and and um, good to see those guys get on the scoreboard. And and now we'll see um, if how they can go forward um, for the rest of the season. Yes, um, a fairly tidy performance from Haasfall when it came to going forward. Um, Still plenty of mistakes at the back, though, which isn't uh, of much encouragement to uh, the fans who I'm sure uh, have felt that uh, it's about time they stopped giving them heart failure on a weekly basis. Um, it was nice to see um, Jan Fitti Arp get his first goal of the season as well. Uh, Lasaga, as you've already said, he grabbed two and um, two and two minutes actually. Could have and probably should have had a hat trick uh, to go with that. And. Um, yeah, uh, Stefan Ambrosius, uh, he got his uh, debut uh, this season anyway um, for HSV. Uh, promising signs there to be a must. Also came off the bench for Gotoku Sakai. Um, good to see these young players getting integrated um, early on. So from our Saturday fixtures, we can move on to Sunday. Um, plenty of side Bundesliga sides in action uh, on Sunday. Um 
We've already spoken about Köln. They had a very handy and tidy 9-1 win over BFC Dynamo. Uh, Terada obviously got four. Dominic Drexler got two. Marcel Riza. Uh, also on the score sheet, Vincent Cosiello. Uh, of all the people in the game, he managed to score a header. And Louis Schaub also on the score sheet. Um, I found it quite funny that someone so small managed to uh, jump above uh, both uh, Dynamo centre-backs and... Uh, beat them both in the air. Armenia Bielefeld um, another win for them. They're still unbeaten this season. Um, promising signs for them. Prince Osai Owusu got two goals and um, not only that Sven Shiplock also got two goals. Tom Schutz um, also on the score sheet there. But um, as far as uh, the early uh, kickoffs on the Sunday are concerned, uh, the main surprises came um, in terms of two defeats for two Zweite Bundesliga sides and uh, Danny, it was a great day to be a Kimi Leipzig fan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was a great day for them. And, of course, turning the game around and having a last-second winner. And I really feel sorry about Regensburg, as obviously I can feel them in my heart now. But it was a great day for Leipzig. And, yeah, to win this game on this style in the last second of the game is, I think, a great moment. So... Cheers for them, and I'm really excited to see them next round again. It was uh, a wonderful way to win it as well. Very, very late on. Uh, Julian Derstrov, who uh, Matthew and I both thought uh, could have been in for a Goal of the Week nomination, uh, he opened the scoring in the 20th minute with a fine left-footed volley, but... um, 91st minute, uh, a 25-yard volley. Uh, It doesn't get much better than that, Matthew, does it? No uh, quality technique, and um, yeah, I mean, uh, if there was a goal that was worthy of winning a game, it was certainly that one. And um, yeah, I think re- I think what needs to be outlined is Regensburg had a ton of chances to to put the game away, and they didn't. And once again, their uh, their hoodoo away from home uh, strikes again, and yeah, they're out of the cup. Yeah, it uh, wasn't a great day for them, and uh, of course, you very rightly brought up. Uh, their very poor away form last week on the podcast. Um, before we move on to Bochum, and I really don't want to move on to Bochum, uh, we must mention Heidenheim. They picked up a 5-2 win over Yedlo. Um, another confidence-boosting victory for them, their first of the season, and uh, they'll hope to carry that into that game against Dynamo Dresden uh, this weekend. But, uh, unfortunately, I can't gloss over Bochum and uh, let that lie. Uh a 1-0 win for Vika uh, Flensborg. Um, the first half goal from Kevin Schultz was enough. Um, Bochum dominated the game, but uh, couldn't make the most of their 20 shots. Um, Vika only had four, but uh, that's how it goes. Uh, a wonderful day for them. Uh, Bochum actually had 76% of the possession. That makes it only that little bit worse. Um, I'm not quite sure how we lost that game finishing was painfully poor again but uh, as I said credit must go to um, Vika they battled very very hard they were defensively solid despite those numbers and uh, came out with a very very respectable 1-0 win and they'll look forward to um, the second round Danny not a great day for Bochum no not at all and it was some kind of hard to watch because they really dominated it and as well as everybody, and of course me, is up for a cup upset, and this is a cup upset, and I'm really happy for Flensburg, 
but it's hard for Bochum. And but I think they will not lo- take long to recover from that. And I think they will put a, a good game against Sandhausen. And but crazy now. And this is how you get out of the cup with those unlucky games. And I think it happened earlier to Bochum a few years ago, and they've gone out to lower league sides a few years in a row or often at least so maybe it's a problem of Bochum not of the game Yeah um, I can certainly remember a story of Waldorf Um, we lost to them two years ago we lost to Paderborn last year when they were a Drittliga team and um, yeah the DFB Pokal isn't treating us all that well at the moment but nevertheless we can move on to two very very positive Zweite Bundesliga results on Sunday evening uh, that involved Union they came out 4-2 winners over Carl Zeiss Jena and Holstein Kiel beat um, 1860 Munich uh, 3-1 and uh, I think we'll start there Matthew um, we've already spoke very highly of Mr Alexander Mulling. he was the catalyst in what was uh, a superb turnaround victory very much so. I mean, they fell behind early thanks to a, a good goal by uh, Nico Kager. And yeah, uh, they, they, the second half, they were much better. And, and you know, just the attitude to, to the contest. And, and it was led by by Mooling, who, um, you know, got the opener. And then obviously second goal was was, was perfect and in, in many, many ways. And, um, you know, it's the Tim Valter effect. And he certainly got them playing a good brand of football. And and I think, on a personal level, for him, he would have loved the fact that he beat eighteen sixty um, at ho- at their home ground, um, being that he played them in the in the regional league last season. So I think that's a it's a good moral victory for him, and, and um, you know a, a good win for Kiel as they um, you know they continue to silence the uh, the critics early on. I'd actually completely forgot about that whole Tim Valter storyline. So. Thank you very much for reminding me. It was um, it was a fantastic win, as you rightly mentioned. Uh, Danny, just on Kiel very briefly, um, what have you made of Jason Lee so far? Um, he really impresses me. Um, he made some really good things in the league, and I remember that 3-1 goal, I think, where he got the ball right across the field and a wonderful pass to Schindler, who then killed off the game. So, he's really impressive and I think if he keeps out of the injury area this season he will really be a certain days and could be another very good season for Kiel. He um, almost reminds me of Dominic Drexler, not maybe in play style but um, just his sheer, sheer contribution to um, Kiel's goal scoring exploits. Um, uh, from Munich, we will head to Jena, where um, Union managed to navigate what was a very tricky tie on paper and what uh, was a very tricky tie on the night as well. Uh, Simon Hedlund with a brace, Felix Kroos uh, with a superb back header. Um, I love those goals. I think they're great. Um, uh, unfortunately, he had to go off injured with um, a knock to the head. Sebastian Anderson also continued his fine form in front of goal. Uh, he got the opener. Uh, Jena did peg them back twice in the first half, but uh, a very, very late penalty um, was uh, enough to turn the tie in Union's favour in that first half, and uh, they were fairly comfortable in the second. Um, 
Danny, how far do you think Union can uh, can go in this competition? Obviously, the last couple of years they've managed to navigate the first round and then normally get lumped with a big Bundesliga side. We saw them play Dortmund uh, and Leverkusen in the last couple of years. Um, if they manage to, to get an easier draw, do you think uh, they could go quite far? I think absolutely, because when what, uh, what they've got on their side, wherever they play even if it's on Dortmund or at home, they've got the fans on their side. Uh, I've seen them traveling with 8,000 people to Dortmund. And so um, when they get a not Dortmund or Bayern or Schalke, I think they can easily go to the next round again. And maybe I really think that they could be this year's cup upset because they've got a history being cup upsets the last years and they've got a good side again. And, They've got a good confidence in what you've seen and them uh, scoring twice and then being again to a tie and then again scoring is a great quality you need in this cup and they've got it, so why not go far? Yep, I totally agree. And um, we uh, we only have two more games to look at now. We'll go over uh, one quite quickly. Uh, one we'll take a little bit more in-depth look at, especially with Danny being here. Um, sorry, Danny. Um, Paderborn came out 2-1 winners over FC Ingolstadt the second year in a row. The Paderborn have managed to get uh, the better of Ingolstadt in the day of Bepokal. Um Uwe Hunemeyer, uh what a day for him. Uh, a double, a brace, and... Uh, it was a great way for him to uh, really cement the fact that he is now back in Paderborn. Sonny Kittle with a superb free kick, which probably could have been up for our goal of the week. Um, he managed to pull one back late on for Ingolstadt, but it just wasn't enough. Uh, Matthew, uh, well, we've spoke uh, about a little bit of concern surrounding uh, Dynamo Dresden, but uh, Ingolstadt really haven't started well. No, and both goals coming from set pieces, and that's that's just not that's not good um, at all defensively. They're they're a bit hit and miss going forward. They are, you know, they they take sh- take a lot of shots, but they're not really threatening. There's not a lot of potency potency going forward. And and um, yeah, I think that you know we we've we've spoken probably a lot about Uwe Neuhaus being in the hot seat, but um, Stefan Lytle is he's in that same boat now. And um, another another string of poor results, considering how much they've spent. Um, yeah, he, he could be gone in, in, in a matter of weeks. So I think that's something we'll have to we'll, we'll look at. Um, but they, yeah, they, they've been very ordinary. And, and it's um, if they can't get a result this week in, in Magdeburg, the pressure is going to be really on. It certainly will. And uh, that's certainly not going to be an easy game for them this weekend. Um, Danny, there's only one place really to, to finish this section off with. Unfortunately... It wasn't as positive as it looked. Um, I don't really know where to go with this one. Um, what were your thoughts on the game? Um, I don't know. I really don't know what to think about this game because on the one hand, obviously we played really good. I don't think good in a way of playing beautiful, good football, but we defended them good. We've had some really luck that they've not scored or twice in the first half. We have to admit that. But after then, we really made them think about what should they do to break our defense. And they've not gone into great chances except for one 
post-strike from, I think, Pulisic. And then he scored this goal and everyone was euphoric. And yeah, then it started the, the part of the game. I, nobody will like to remember. And not even the they score once in 95. And nobody knows why we played five minutes. But that's not an excuse to poor defending to Axel so You can't defend him against this. And then not that you could expect, okay, it's Dortmund, they now win 4-1 in extra time because they're good. No, they had, again, zero chances, really. And we've had a better chances, and then they killed it in 120 plus one. It's about, like, they've had fun and not only one uh, strike, they dive into the hearts of search late on. It uh, it wasn't really? ideal, especially given uh, how the last DFB Pokal uh, tie in terms of that uh, semi-final a few years ago went. Um, uh, but plenty of positives, I would say, from a foot perspective. Obviously, um, uh, we should have started the show with this, but um, our thoughts go out to uh, Damir Boric and his family. Um, there was a bereavement in his family. We're not sure who that was yet. We don't really need to know or want to know but uh, regardless we uh, pass on our best wishes to him. Uh, he wasn't on the sideline for the game. Uh, Maximilian Bauer. Um, Danny, talk about him. Um, he's definitely a big positive from this game. Of course and I have to admit I was not sure if he can keep up with uh, Dortmund and he had not even. He had about two minutes in the game against Ingolstadt, and this were his first minutes in professional football. And he's just 18 years old, and he had now the tax to defend against Reus, Götze, all these famous people, the national players, World Cup winners, and he really did well. He impressed me pretty much. And the way he defended yesterday, I think he will be an option for the first team the next few months anyway. And if Kaichiri keeps being injured from time to time, I think he will be an option to be a starter now as a as a third defender. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people would like to see him get more game time, especially after how well he did play last night. And uh, the good thing from a foot perspective is that he does at least have a contract until 2020. So um, no need to immediately rush into renewal, but um, I'm sure that the, the directors um, at foot will uh, most certainly be pushing for a contract extension sooner rather than later. And uh, from there, we will head on to, as per usual, our Zweite Bundesliga preview for match day three. And it's time to get stuck into those all-important match day three Zweite Bundesliga games. And we will start with um, the Monday night fixture. Um, as much as we all hate Mondays still. Um, Haas Fau take on Armenia Bielefeld. Um, I know Bielefeld fans are really, really up for this one. And uh, I believe there's a Sonderzug heading uh, in the direction of Hamburg. So that should be good fun for all involved. Um, making Mondays a little bit nicer. Um... It's a, it's a big, big game. Um, Armenia have four points from two games. Uh, Hasfau, of course, got their first week win against uh, Sandhausen last weekend. Uh, Matthew, I'll come to you first. Um, 
Uh, do you see any potential of uh, of an upset here, or would it even be deemed an upset? We all know what um, Armenia are capable of. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very possible they are playing very good football, and um, you know, we, we've probably talked a lot about Hamburg's um, inexperience in defence with the with the, the duo of uh, Bates and, and Van Drongelen, and and they've got a very potent attacking force. Um, so yeah, I. I think they're a real chance. I mean, even if they they can grab a point, it'll be a very positive result for them. And um, yeah, I think I think the pressure will ramp up on Hamburg if um, if they don't win. This this is simply a game that they'll be, a, be expected to win. Um, but also in terms of you know keeping the momentum going after their win against Sandhausen in the league. Um, yeah, it, honestly, it's, this is the top spieler of the week. It, it's going to be an absolute cracking game, and you know it's it's. Yeah, it's it's going to be a really intriguing battle, and, and I think um, you know Hamburg need to be wary of of, of Bielefeld's threat. Yeah, Matthew, I uh, completely agree with you there. Um, of course, uh, one big problem for Armenia is at right back. Um, Tom Schutz uh, started there uh, in the Pokal. Obviously, Patrick Feirock, uh can play there too. This is, of course, because uh, Cedric Brunner picked up a knee meniscus injury. Um, he's going to be out for at least two months. Um, I'm not quite sure um, whether or not he'll need surgery yet, um, but we wish him a speedy recovery nevertheless because he did start the season very, very well. I know uh, a lot of Armenia fans are worried about this. Jonathan Klaus uh, was on trial, is on trial. I'm not quite sure if he still is um, with the club, and um, we'll see how that pans out. Uh, Danny, how big of a loss is Brunner to um, Armenia's right-hand side, and um, will they be able to cope without him? I'm not sure. I mean, he, of course, is a is a loss, but I do think Chef Sabine is a good coach, and I think he's got some good options, of course. And um, I'm really um, looking forward to see who he puts out of his head, and um, we will see. But I think maybe they go a bit more from left this week, or but uh, yeah, I think. It will be hard for them to cope with that, and it may be a bit of a good thing for Hamburg to give their get their first home victory of the season. But it may, it doesn't make this game more interesting, but uh, less interesting, of course, because it makes it more interesting to see how they cope with that. Yeah, I think this is going to be um, a real cracker, and if, um, as Matthew says, if any game. Befits uh, being called uh, the top spiel of the week. Uh, this is it, and uh, it does have competition from the next game we'll look at, though. Um, I fancy Armenia could cause an upset here, um, uh, especially after that first home game from Haas. So I think if Armenia can come out and play anyway, similar to Kiel, uh, they'll have a decent chance, and uh, hopefully for their sake, um, Andreas Vogelsama can uh, start and find the back of the net sooner rather than later. Uh, we'll, we'll come on to that next game now, actually. Um, a big, big game between uh, two of the most popular Zweite Bundesliga sides um, across the world, um, of course. Uh, Zweite Bundesliga International is uh, the best hashtag on Twitter, so um, if you do spot anything like um, a Kiel sticker uh, on the Grand Canyon, thank you to um, Chloe for sending me that. That was um, my particular favourite um so far, uh, do send them to us. Uh, we love to see them. Um, so, Union against St. Pauli. That's what we're trying to get around to here. Um, Union uh, 
great result for them away at Köln last week. St. Pauli, the only side inside the Bundesliga that has a 100% record still intact. Um, Danny, do you think uh, that will still be intact after the game? No. At le- uh, to be honest, I don't think that because I don't think that they will have it easy to against Union and they play at the Alte First Array and it will be a cracking atmosphere for Union and they've just won against one of their uh, old Eastern German rivals, Jena, in a great cup game. And to be honest, I think uh, Union really will win this game. It will be a good game, I think. Two games that want to play football rather than just defend and play the ball wide up front. And I really look forward to see this game. But I think uh, San Pauli will be... uh, one point or zero points this game. Not much hope from Danny. Um, Matthew, when it comes to St. Pauli, um, do you share his lack of optimism or do you think uh, uh, Marcus Kuczynski's side uh, can uh, turn it around and uh, make it three wins from three, especially after that Pokal disappointment? Uh, I, I'm a bit line ball. I think maybe this game could be a draw. I have, I have an inkling Kalchinski is going to line up fairly defensively. We saw that um, in their first road game against um, Magdeburg. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think they're going to try and absorb a lot of pressure and, and it will come down to if Union can take their chances. Uh, but, but it should be a good game overall. I think, um, you, you know, as you mentioned, these are probably two of the well-known uh, Spider League sides in terms of, you know, publicity and fan following. And, yeah, I mean, it could go either way. I think Union are playing really good football, very, very strong defensively. Um, and, yeah, I think, um, as Danny pointed out, that coming off the high of beating Yen in the Cup, they will certainly have a spring in their set. It's just how St. Pauli can, can curb that enthusiasm from uh, Union and, uh, you know, turn it into, the, into their favour. There is uh, not many better ways to start your Sunday than uh, Union against St. Pauli um, in the early afternoon. So I think we're all looking forward to that one. Another Sunday game that we've picked out to be in our top group of games this week sees uh, Kiel, who um, have proven themselves to be in fine form both in the league and the cup. They travel. Uh, they don't. They do travel uh, south uh, to face Jan Regensburg. Um, Jan did manage to um, pick up an opening day win against Ingolstadt, but since then it's gone a little bit downhill. They lost against Paderborn, and of course they lost against Kimi Leipzig. Uh, Danny, do you see um, Kiel travelling well here, or do you think Jan's uh, superior home record um, will tell a tale? It will be an interesting story, because I do think uh, that Kiel is a better side than Ringsburg, not by far, uh, but at least with Lee and Kinsombi and Schindler, they've got a better individual skills and a better midfield, of course. And on a normal day, I would see Kiel winning, but uh, I think Regensburg, it will be interesting to see if they're bouncing back from these two um, negative days and try to say, okay, we've lost two now, let's win. Or if they go really downhill and have a third defeat in a row, and I think this game will be a game that for Regensburg could early in the season be a sign to where the season will end because if they lose today um, it could be a hard season but on the other hand it's not a shame to lose against this Kiel side and 
just like at, uh, for St. Pauli, I do not have that much optimism for Regensburg, to be honest. Um, Matthew, uh, I think this could be a pretty tricky game for um, Regensburg to navigate, but um, as we have seen before, even if they fall behind, they are more than capable of uh, pulling it back. Um, but a strong start would be ideal. Do you think they'll get that against Kiel? Well, need it. Um, yeah, they, I, as has been mentioned, you know, in terms of individuality, individual talent, you know, Kiel probably have the upper hand. But yeah, Regensburg are extremely unpredictable side to play at home, and and that may work in their favour. But but having said that, Kiel were very, uh, you know not a terrible travelling team. They were one of not many who beat Regensburg at at home last season. So um, yeah. I think I think this is a really pivotal game for for Regan Sporkett. and and yeah, starting the first twenty minutes will probably give us a good indication of where they're at and um, if they've got over that cup loss to, to Leipzig. So yeah, I mean, it, if they don't get a win or at least a point, you know, you might start to worry about where they're going because if they can't win at home, we've seen how poor they are away. They might be in a little bit of trouble. And from Group 1, we move into our Group 2 games, and we will start in Darmstadt as uh, they take on MSV Duisburg at the Berlin Fall Tour. Uh, Matthew, this could be quite close, but um, equally, uh, given Darmstadt's uh, resilience, uh, well, uh, apart from that which they showed in uh, Hamburg, um, they should be looking to win this one. They should be favourites going into it as well. They should be um, with that tight, resolute defence that they've got going on, and um, yeah, it's going to be. I can I can expect it being a one-goal margin of some sorts, and um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he goes in terms of attack. Whether he's going to, you know, have um, Mihal, um Jones and, and Heller as the attacking three behind uh, uh, Dursan. Which, which is what he used in the Cup. Uh, he played Kemper in a very defensive role, and it would be interesting to see what kind of direction he goes with that. And conversely for Duisburg, they they really need to win this one. There's there's no doubt about it. You don't want to start the season on, you know, three losses and, and you know, a team that we've predicted to do quite well um, have, have started pretty poorly. And, and, yeah, I think I think there's more on the line for Duisburg than there is for Darmstadt. I would um, agree with you there. I think uh, this is almost a must-win game for um, MSV to build some confidence. Um, as you rightly said, we really didn't think uh, this would be the case for um, Duisburg, at least with their attacking uh, signings and, of course, with Sebastian Neumann at the back. But um, for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem to have worked out for them so far. Um, Danny, what way do you see this game going? Do you think uh, Darmstadt will just edge it or um, can uh, Duisburg spring a surprise? I think it's a hard game to predict because, on the one hand, obviously Darmstadt seems to be a good side this year again. Um, after that bad season last year, and they've got this victory in Magdeburg. And I think Duisburg, I've also seen them not being down this season, but rather being up in the first six spots. And now we've got two games, and you, you can say they were unlucky in Dresden, of course. But that home game against Bochum, to your joy, was not really good. And I really think that it was a deserved loss. And they have not scored a single goal in the league and just won in Dassendorf. So it will be a, a, 
as Matthew said, a must-win game. And I think it. They, I really think they they should at least score a goal, and maybe it's a one-one for them or something like that. But it's hard for me again to see them really winning this game. But maybe the, um, they will prove me wrong and win this game. But and I think um, Darmstadt will win. I think it's uh, very hard to see past Dirk Schuster's men, not least uh, given how miserly their defence is, but um, at home they do seem to be a little mm-hmm. bit more threatening uh, when it comes to going forward. Um, one side who uh, certainly looked threatening going forward uh, last weekend was Köln, and uh, they're back at home once again. Uh, they'll be hoping to get their first home win of the season after that 1-1 draw against Union on match day two. They play Awa, who, um, Matthew, you were pretty confident that they would be decent at home this season, but um, this is a, a different beast altogether. Yeah, it is. It is. And, um, yeah, I think Awa's going to, you know, really park the bus. I don't think they're going to provide much in attack. And, and um, you know, it, it, there's, there's a couple of interesting narratives. you got Daniel Meyer, who was formerly with Köln, coaching the second side. Uh, so he will want to prove to his ex-employers that, you know, he can, he can, he can prove a job, but yeah, it's going to be one of those things that can, can Cohn break down what will essentially be, you know, a back five with the two midfielders, well, two central midfielders playing quite deep. So um, yeah, it's going to provide an interesting test. And, you know, if if Köln can't break it down, then you know, they're, 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 as we've talked about, then they've got some serious issues. So, quick ball movement's going to be pivotal for them, and and you know, you know, creating space. And if they can do that, they should be able to break down Al with ease. You would imagine so. And uh, of course, we have discussed um, Köln and uh, how they're going to line up. Um, Danny, uh, do you see uh, Cozello getting the start this time, and uh, Tarada? Uh, edging that battle up front, and do you maybe see some other changes? Maybe Huger coming into that defensive midfield role. Um, I do see Cosiello going into the first uh, team, and uh, of course a change. Terrade Cordoba is always possible, but I don't think that Anton will change that much because the game against Union wasn't bad. It was pretty good football from them, and maybe. Yes, right. Maybe uh, Hector gets the left side again, but it, at all, it will be a tough test for them uh, because Aue have a have just had conceded one goal this season. So it will be a tough test, and if we don't see this many changes this week, I think. But if they fail to win or even fail to score, we may see more changes next week. I think you could be right. I think um, if um, if it doesn't work out this week, then um, Anfang is going to have questions to answer. And of course, it is early in the season, and uh, he's only just taken over, so we can't read into things too much. But um, I think from uh, Cohen's perspective, uh, their individual quality should shine through. And uh, you would like to think that uh, a couple of good performances in the Pokal from uh, the aforementioned players uh, will see them enter the starting lineup and maybe give a little bit more confidence to those players around them. Um, our final Group 2 game, as we look at it now, is um, Foot against uh, Paderborn. Uh, 
Danny, how confident are you of um, getting back to winning ways? Um, I'm not sure. I really cannot predict Paderborn because they've got this loss in Darmstadt, but they weren't bad there. They've got a penalty and they've got this really good win at home uh, again and again win at the cup tie against Ingolstadt. So they are a good side on the one hand, but on the other hand, Fürth is a really good home team. And I think we've just lost once in 2018 in the league at home against Regensburg. And um, the last home games against Paderborn were always good. And it's a tough game to predict for me because we've got this defensively instability somewhere every game. And I can see Paderborn getting chances. And for me, I think it will be come down and how good Paderborn is up front with chances. And this game could easily be either side decided. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be interesting to see how this one pans out. Paderborn obviously really, really good on the counter. And uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see whether or not they can enforce that game plan in foot. And... Um, Obviously, be interesting to see if Damir Boric is back on the sidelines. Hopefully, um, from uh, his perspective, uh, he is, and uh, he can get back to doing what he does best. Um, Matthew, we've seen Paderborn play quite well over the last couple of weeks. Um, do you think uh, that uh, they can really challenge for a top half finish, and uh, maybe even more this season? I know a few of them were uh, predicting them to have quite a tough year. Yeah, I was one of those who, who thought they might have a tough... I think they've certainly looked better going forward, forward um, starting with uh, Sven Mikkel and uh, Bernard Tekpeti. I think he's been you know, quite a decent signing for, for Paderborn, and he's looked very dangerous. You know, Yes, he hasn't scored any goals yet, but, he, but he's, he's made that attack more dynamic. And, um, yeah, they'll, they'll have chances, no question about it. Um, but, you know, as, as Danny pointed out, Ferd have a... A, pre, a very solid uh, home record um, this, this calendar year, so should be a really good game. Actually, I think you know as much as we you know you talk about all the top games, I think this one has some under is undervalued, and, and I think it'll be a game worth watching. Yeah, it certainly will be, and um, I would imagine that uh, quite a few neutrals, if you are listening and don't have a side of Bundesliga side, uh, this would be a good one uh, to tune into. Um, Danny, just quickly before we move on to the Group 3 games, um, what do you think of Tobias Moore? I have been super impressed um, any time he's been playing for foot. And uh, do you think he's far away from the starting eleven? Obviously, Sebastian Ernst did get his goal um, uh, last night um, as we talk about it now. Um, but he's really, really pushing him hard to, to get that start in the left wing. Um, just to see what I'm really impressed. He was... Uh transfer from 4th league Almanya Aachen and he played in the second team at the start of the season and from then on he impressed against Sandhausen with this great assist and in Ingolstadt he played well and now he played well against Dortmund like he's on a really high rise and I don't even think he will challenge Ernst because you know yesterday when Ernst scored I think Moore made the cross to Caterwell who then passed to Ernst and in the last games, as well in the cup as in Ingolstadt, uh, at halftime we played uh, Omladic out, um, and then Ernst was in the middle and Moore on the wing, 
and maybe just as an option for the start because Ernst is learned as a central midfielder and this could be a great option to make him get his quality in the central and more running down the wing and making these incredibly good uh, placed crosses and I think if that proves as a good decision he will easily have the quality to be a starter in the Bundesliga. And last but not least, it's time for our Group 3 games, um, and by no means least, uh, we will emphasise that. Um, we will start with uh, Bochum against Sandhausen, and uh, hopefully, from a personal perspective, uh, Bochum can uh, get back to winning ways sooner rather than later. Um, Matthew, do you think that's going to be the case, or um, are Sandhausen going to uh, heap more misery on uh, the Ruhrstadion side? Couldn't imagine it. I mean, you know, Borkham won both fixtures last year, and and we haven't seen that resolute Sandhausen defence that we've become accustomed to. In, <laughs> excuse me, in the first two uh, league outings, yeah, I, I can't imagine it. I mean, if if Borkham can uh, finish in the final third, which they struggled to do in the cup tie, um, yeah, I think I think they should be comfortable winners in this game. Finishing has been a real problem for Bochum of late, um, despite uh, having Lucas Hinterseer in the side. Um, Silveri Ganvula got off to a great start against uh, Duisburg, but um, couldn't find the back of the net against Vika Flensburg. Um, Danny, w- what do you make of Bochum this season? Um, and uh, Sandhausen as well, I suppose. Um, we can't forget them. Um, I think Sandhausen have been... Uh, a little bit unlucky at times, obviously, you seen them up close and personal. Um, it's a tough question because, on the one hand, Sandhausen played some good football against Ferd. They had the Sandhausen no defense for 78 minutes, but then collapsed. And then there were these ridiculous errors against Hamburg we just haven't seen from them for the last few years. And on the other side, Bochum again, has a great quality in matters of the attacking on the, from the names. And if they manage to get it on the field this year earlier than last year, because last year they've, you've seen what they can do in the last few weeks of the season. I think they are a side you should have on your sheet when it gets to making a surprise this year. And Sandhausen, sadly, if I hope, on a personal side, again, I hope they will find stability again because they're a really sympathetic side. But if they don't manage that, and this is a real possibility, they may have a real tough year this time. Yeah, I think um, the sooner the better in terms of um, how they've uh, started the season to, to get that first win on the board and to uh, start climbing the table. Um, I'm hopeful that Bochum and uh, Home Advantage... Uh, will tell a tale and um, hopefully um, we can pick up three points but that's nothing against Sandhausen I um, I do have a soft spot for them and it was uh, very nice to spend some time down there uh, with a couple of their fans um, last weekend um, or the weekend before last should I say uh, moving on to um, the second of our group three games which features uh, Magdeburg against Ingolstadt um, Danny Ingolstadt fans are making the the trip to Magdeburg, we hope that um, they won't have any trouble with the police, but um, are you expecting them to go home happy in terms of how things go on the pitch? Mm, just again, I'm not optimistic for them. 
I, I hear me saying this a lot today, but I think Ingolstadt have not had a single win this season in uh, games, except in the preseason. And Magdeburg at home is a tough, tough away game because they have a great atmosphere. And you know, San Pauli had also many fans of them and really took a time to cope with the atmosphere and Ingolstadt may have more issues and they do have issues uh, in their play. Just one point after two games is not what they expect and I see it uh, on a tie and if I had to pick one side to win it, it would be Magdeburg. I would um, probably lean towards uh, that home advantage telling in Magdeburg's favour which would only heap more pressure on Stefan Lytle. Uh, Matthew, what way do you see this one going? Do you think um, uh, Ingolstadt can finally get uh, their first win of the season? Well, it's tough because both teams really need to kickstart their seasons and, um, you know, yeah, I, I can't help but think that home advantage that, you know, Magdeburg have is going to, yeah, it should be enough, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if this game's, game ends in a draw, to be honest. Yeah, it has um, all the hallmarks of being a really, really tight encounter and uh, I think uh, it's going to be down to whoever takes their chances on the day. I can see this one being quite open actually, especially given how both sides' opening games have gone and uh, I think uh, having Christian Beck already on the uh, the score sheet uh, would uh, or is a big bonus for Magdeburg. Obviously, um, Ingolstadt have struggled to get goals from their forwards um, in recent weeks. Um our final game uh, of the match day three preview features uh, Dynamo and Heidenheim. Heidenheim making the trip uh, to Dresden. Um, Matthew, this one could be a very close one indeed, but um, Heidenheim, especially after that cup win, will only be hoping to heap um, more misery on Dynamo. They will, and um, you know they've found a variety of ways of scoring goals and. Yeah, I think, you know, if they can come away with a point, I think they'd be, Frank Schmidt would be quite happy. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're creative attacking players in uh, Dovedan and, and Schnatter have been playing really well. And, and I think the, the important thing is that they've found a striker in, in, uh, in Bobby Glatzel who's uh, found the net with a little bit of, in his last two games. So, yeah, they've, they've you know, they've crept up. They've been very quiet and, and they've, but they've done well. They've, they've played some, they've played two really good games and, in the league, and you know, I think I think they're a good chance to to, to snatch all three points and and heap a little bit more misery on Dresden. Uh, Danny, it's um, not been an easy start for both sides, um, despite us uh, maybe talking up Heidenheim in a little bit more positive light. Um, do you think uh, they'll have enough to get the better of Dynamo this weekend, or um, can Uwe Neuhaus um, build on that home win against um, Duisburg and uh, make that stadium a fortress once more? Um. I think it both is possibility. Um, I would agree with Matthew, um, and I think uh, it, it's again a tough game, and again a game that really has a possibility to go into a tie, especially when you think about Heidenheim in their season having just played ties until now, and uh, they impressed me against Kiel with this one-one. It's it takes a lot of quality to. Uh, make a 1-1 one, one in here in their current uh, form and I think if they have a lucky moment or have a 
special Schnatterer moment they can win. But the same goes for Dynamo with Kone or Rosa. So it's a game. I think if there's one side to win it, it's the side who scores first. I uh, I think so too. I think it's going to be quite a close encounter, and uh, it's going to be small margins that decide the game. Of course, we have seen so many times that uh, Mark Schnatterer is very capable of doing that, and uh, Dynamo will certainly hope that uh, they can uh, recapture that second half performance that they had in Bielefeld. Um, it's. Uh, been uh, quite a decent start to the season for you, Danny, when it comes to um, the kick tip. Um, better than uh, me and Matthew, anyway. But I have to say, last week was not that good. Mm, I think we're even now, Johnny. Oh, really? That's a pleasant surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I do think so. I've looked it up. Um, uh, I have to say, I have to deliver as I started the season with a tweet with posting of how good I've been in the first game, but I think it will be tough because trying to Bundesliga kick tip is always just like a bit of gambling because things happen no one would would expect anyway. Yeah, it's... it's um... More than first league. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's uh, a nightmare to predict at the best of times. Matthew, you have 12, I have 13. Danny, I don't know how many you have, but um, I'm fairly sure it's more than I do. (laughs) Um, But uh, make sure to get your predictions in for the um, kick tip. Make sure you get your predictions or your selections in, should I say, for our kicker manager uh, league. And um, just to finish things off this week, we, of course, have your questions. Um, Guys, we'll keep these uh, short and sweet. Linus Vedmar uh, at Linus Vedmar asks, um, do you think the mighty St. Pauli have what it takes to end up ahead of Hasfall in the table? Matthew, yes, no, um, does it depend on something in particular? Uh, no, I don't think they will in the end. Um, they could, they could, but I, I can't see it. I think Hasfall will eventually get it together and, and um, topple them. As uh, as much as you know, we have a good saying Pauli following on the podcast, and I'm pretty sure we get this question pretty regularly um, about saying Pauli being better than Hamburg. But um, yeah, I think I think Haasfeld will eventually get it done and and, and finish ahead of St. Pauli. Danny is um, Hamburg brown weiss or is Hamburg schwarz blau und weiss? Um, we haven't asked you this question, as uh, Matthew says we get this pretty regularly. Uh, what's your thoughts on it? Um. I would totally agree, Matthew. I think that doesn't depend much on St. Pauli. It depends more on Hamburg. And this is hard to say, I think. And maybe the people of St. Pauli who listen to it will not like me to say that. But if Hamburg will find their way to roll into the season, they will be easily up front more than Pauli, St. Pauli. And I think they will. St. Pauli will have great times in enjoying every match day they're up in front of Hamburg. And I know this feel from the match days third was up in front of Nuremberg. But I think in the end, football is a cruel game for them. And maybe St. Pauli will win one of the derbies, without doubt. But when it comes to quality, I think, against my sympathy, Hamburg is schwarz-weiß-blau. <laughs> 
um, from uh, Linus's question, we move to Nikic um, at Nikic31 uh, on Twitter. He asks, uh, do you think uh, it's Gabilka Awa will um, be able to stay up this season? Uh, Danny, we'll come to you first. Um, yes or no, and uh, why, I suppose? It's hard. Um, but I think there's a real, real chance to see them going down this year because they've lost uh, Pascal Krebke, who is a great striker, and without his goals, they could have been going down last year. And I just do not see them having improved their quality. And they've, they haven't scored already in this season. One of only two sides who have not scored. And as we said, second league is unpredictable. But um, I think they will most definitely be in relegation battle at least. Uh, Matthew, um, I think uh, it's going to be a pretty tough season for our. I think they're going to be in and around uh, the wrong end of the table, unfortunately. Um, where do you think they're going to end up this year? Well, I had them finishing bottom, so I think that's it's pretty clear <laughs> <laughs> how well I think they'll go. Um, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't know if they've done enough to replace... The goal scoring of Pascal Kopka, as, um, as Danny alluded to, and yeah, it's going to be a really tough season. If they survive, it'll be probably by the via the playoffs. Uh, I I can't see them not being in that bottom three at the end of the season. It's uh, it's going to be a tough one for sure. Um, Alan Charles at Alan J Charles fourteen uh, asks: Are Hasfall going to try and uh, actively improve their backline in January, or do you think they'll settle into Tietz's system? over the next few months and become more consistent as a team. I would say yes to um, the uh, the section that suggests that uh, they will be able to settle into the system and uh, eventually get there. Um, Danny, how do you see it going? Do you think um, it's only a matter of time before Haasfell click or do you think they're going to be dipping into the transfer market um, with very limited funds come January? Um, I think it will be decided in the next few weeks because... And they now have the chance to either go up into making it a good season and into rolling now, or they will struggle from now on because even when they don't win at home against Bielefeld, they have would have two home games without a win in Zweite Liga in a tough league, and then they would have uh, a few points up to the first places and the fans could get nervy and then they I think they would have to improve their squad if they get into rolling I think they won't improve it because Tits and HSV really impress me in how they don't spend big against the odds against what Köln does they think about the youth the about improving the, the squad they have now and um, yeah, I think it really depends on how how much in a nervy the atmosphere is in Hamburg in January. Matthew, do you see it the same way, or do you think um, it's a case of uh, finally trying to make use of uh, Hamburg's um, excellent youth players? We've we've seen uh, a few of them get a chance. Uh, Knost obviously came off the bench. Um, in the Pokal game, um, Ambrosio started the game. Obviously, Bates and Van Drongelen aren't that old either. And uh, 
uh, Joshua Vangoman um, is um, also a big, big talent on the rise. Uh, quite a few English clubs were interested in him. Uh, can they stave off that interest and uh, manage to finally uh, bring through a few youngsters of their own rather than having them uh, loaned out and then end up at various different big clubs? Yeah, I think that'll be the key. Um, you know, from previous seasons, Hamburg haven't really had the desire nor the idea of developing, continuously developing players and then bringing them up through the youth system. They've just gone and bought players and, and, and not a lot of them have really made a massive impact. So I think I think it's good that they've gone for the youth movement. That's a positive thing. And and, and in terms of it, it will, it will not only help develop the club, but um, in the in the future, these are the guys that that you'll want to represent Hamburg um, in at a later date. And um, I think budding them now and getting them involved in the first team setup can only be a good thing. Um, so yeah, I think I think they're, they're, they've taken the right steps on the teats. And and uh, if they want stability when they do, if they do return to the Bundesliga, that's you know they've they've, they've set themselves up for the for the for the near future at least. Okay, and the final question goes to Simon Vargas at Simon Vargas underscore on Twitter. I just want quick answers from you both this week. Um, first question: Who is your surprise player of the season so far? Edmondson. Damn, I would have gone with Edmondson too. I'll go Kaiser uh, Royal. <laughs> Matthew doing his best to keep um, Danny happy there. Um, and uh, which coach uh, do you think gets sacked first? Gladly. Neuhaus. I was going to pick either of those two, so um, thank you for making my job really easy. I don't have to blame anyone if either of those two happen. Um, thank you all for um, tuning in this week. Um, I hope you've enjoyed um, hearing an extended version of Danny this week rather than uh, just the 10 minutes or so last week. Um, quite a few of you came to me and said that you really enjoyed um, him being on the podcast uh, with myself and Matthew and um, really enjoyed his section on foot. So um, hopefully we can continue to do a few more um, fan sections over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but for this week, that's us all rounded up. Um, there's nothing particular uh, that we need to mention other than to make sure to do those kick tips, uh, get involved and uh, don't fall behind um, it's uh, not hard to beat uh, myself at the moment anyway. So, um, I mean, one good week and you'll be ahead of me already. So um, be sure to do that. And um, from myself, uh, from Matthew and from Danny, uh, have a great week. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you soon. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.